We'll go ahead and dismiss the children at this time uh, to kids' church, kindergarten through fifth grade, preschool through fifth grade. You can go to kids' church this morning. All the energy leaves the place when the children leave. We're excited this morning to continue on the book of Matthew. Uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 25 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 30. You know, Jesus has is, is come into this, uh, this last few days of his life. And he has come to the end. He is warning his disciples that, that the end is coming, uh, that there's coming a day whenever, whenever they will be without Christ. He is warning them that there's coming a day where there will be a final judgment. He is warning them that, that there will be a day whenever there will be persecution and trial. He talks about the, the imminence of the destruction of Jerusalem. He talks about the imminence of the, coming of the second coming of Christ. And then he gives them two parables. He gives them the parable of the virgins, and he gives them the parable of the talents. And both of them are an, an expounding upon this idea of being prepared, of being prepared. One focuses on uh, waiting on the Lord, being prepared and waiting and, and expecting the Lord. And the other one focuses on working, being prepared and, and working for that preparedness. And so here we're going to read verses 14 through 30 of Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. And immediately the one who had received five, the five talents went and traded with them, and gained five more talents. And in the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. For you are faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. And see, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with few things. I have put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. And see, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought, not to have, you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. 
For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away and cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness and the place where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, as we hear this admonition of Christ, as we hear this parable, Lord, may we, may we see what your word has to say. Lord, may we put aside our own opinions and our own preconceived notions and our own presuppositions. And may we hear your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said before, this is an expounding upon this idea of waiting. Jesus had, has commanded his disciples in all of Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 that, that there is, that there is this, this impending event that is coming. And Jesus is talking very specifically about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, about the coming destruction of Jerusalem, about the persecution of the church, and ultimately about the second coming of Christ. And so as you look back through Matthew chapter 24 and you look back through Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is... There is one theme that that overrides all of 24 and 25, and that is be prepared, be ready, for we know not the day in which Christ shall come. We do not know what is coming, so be prepared, be ready in season and out of season to give an account for the hope that is within us. And so here we have this parable, parable, following the parable of the ten virgins that talked about waiting on the Lord and being prepared for the Lord because he is coming in an hour which we do not know. And now we are told in this parable, the parable of the talents, that that we should be faithful with what God has given us while we wait on his return. I want us to understand that a key theme in this passage in verses 14 through 30 is they are waiting for the master to return, that he has gone away and he is coming back. Remember, as as this parable begins in verse 14, it says, this is for it is just about a man who's about to go on his journey and he called his slaves together and he says, look, I'm leaving and I'm giving you, I'm, I am entrusting you with these talents and I am leaving and I am going to come back. That is a key theme for Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25. Now, I want us to understand that we should wait with expectancy, but we should not be idle. We should not be idle in our waiting. We oftentimes have this idea that that waiting on the Lord means sitting on our hands and and being idle, trusting that, that, that God will show up and that God will do something. I want us to understand that no that nowhere in Scripture has the children of God been commanded to sit and do nothing. There's never been a time where the people of God have been called to sit and be idle and to do nothing. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, Solomon writes, he says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In Colossians chapter 3, we see Paul encouraging the church, and he says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord, rather than for men. And I want us to understand that, that work is not a bad thing. We're going we're gonna to get to that in just a second. But also want to point out that in this passage, Matthew chapter 25, that the focus of the passage is on the servants. It's on the slaves. It's not on the landowner. 
We don't have a whole lot of insight into the landowner, but the focus here is on the servants. And so the author here is calling us to look at the actions of these servants. Now, as we look at this passage, there are talents that are given. Now, for many of us, we read that and we see talents. We see, okay, those are people who were given gifts of of being able to sing and dance, people who were given gifts of of, of different, different abilities. But I want us to understand that in the New Testament world, in the ancient East, in the ancient Near East, that talent was a denomination of money. This was, this was a, a monetary denomination. And one talent equaled about 60 denarii. And everybody said, oh, well, that, that clears things up. Thanks, preacher. A denarii was approximately one day's wage. So depending upon your job, it was, it was somewhere into the equivalent of, of 500 to, I'm, I'm sorry, $100 to $200 a day. That, that, that is the general going wage today. If you were to go out and get a labor job, if you were to go out uh, and, and you were to, to work on a blue-collar job, you'd make somewhere, if you worked eight hours, eight to ten hours a day, you'd make somewhere between $100 to $200 a day. And so if we extrapolate that out, 60 talent, I'm sorry, one talent equals 60 denarii. So one to $200 a day over 60 days. We're looking at somewhere between $6,000 to $10,000, $12,000 is one talent. So this landowner obviously was someone who was wealthy. This was someone who had, who had much, much property, who had much wealth, who had much money. And so he gives these slaves... Somewhere in the ballpark of $50,000. Somewhere north of $50,000, he gives one slave. He gives another slave somewhere north of $20,000. He gives another slave about ten. And he tells them, he says, here, this is for you. Go and, and, and do with it what you think I would want you to do with it. Now, I want to point out that this parable teaches us that not all of us are given the same things according to God's sovereignty and according to God's providence. Not all of us can stand up here with a guitar and and, and sing and, and play. Not all of us are given the same gifts. Not all of us are given the same abilities. Not all of us are, are, are given the same giftedness from the Lord, that we are all different. And not all men are created equal. We're not. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us are fat. Some of us are thin. We're not created equal. Some of us can't walk and chew gum together. Some of us are, 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 we don't have any mechanical ability. Some of us, some of us don't have, uh, some of us are smarter than others. That's the way that God made us. And I want us to understand that while we are all different, we are all equal in dignity and we are all equal in value, but we are not all equal. You look around this room and there is, there is you look around any room and there is an eclectic name. There is an eclecticness to the people that God gathers together. There are people who are gifted in different areas. There are people who are, who are wealthy. There are people who are not wealthy that God brings together. There are people who are gifted in different areas. Last week, we had our dinner on the ground. 
and there was 10, 15 ladies and a few men in there setting up for, for, for our lunch and our dinner while we were in here worshiping. And God has gifted some of us with the ability to serve and, and, and not want to be up in front. And God has then gifted others with, with different abilities. And we need to understand that, that all while we may all be equal in value and dignity, we're not all equal in our, in our giftedness and our equipping. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, we read, but to, each one, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift that, that he gives us differently. If you keep reading in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it talks, about, it talks about how God has called some to be apostles and some to be teachers and some to be... Uh, uh, he calls us all differently according to our gifts and according to the grace with which he's given. So we need to understand that that there is not a, it is not a statement about the value of the servant based upon the giving of the talents. That just because one was given five talents, that does not mean that the landowner, that the father loved him more than the other. And in fact, we'll look at just in just a little bit as how God blesses these, these, these servants based upon their faithfulness. Now, I want, to look, I want us to notice back at the text. Go back to Matthew chapter 25. And I want us to see verse 16. After receiving the talents, after receiving the talents, the scripture says, immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. Verse 17 says, in the same manner, the one who had received two talents gain two more. I want us to, to notice the pattern of both the first two servants. They both immediately began to work. They both immediately began to employ themselves about the master's business. Work is not a bad thing. Work is something that God created and he created it good. I want you to go with me, if you will, to the book of Genesis. God created man, and he created him with a purpose. And that purpose with which God created man for was to work. Look at Matthew, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 2. We've been in Matthew so long it just comes out. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden for what purpose? To cultivate it and to keep it. Now, it's important for us to understand that the fall of man happens in Genesis chapter 3. So, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we see God creating man, placing him in the garden, and giving him the responsibility of working the garden, cultivating the garden, keeping the garden, and all of this was in the absence of sin. So, work is by God's design good and perfect and holy. It is not a result of the fall. The result of the fall, if you look in Genesis chapter 3, the toil and the, the, the thorns and the thistles that, that he has to deal with and the toil that comes with work, the burden that comes with work is a result of the fall. Work in and of itself is good and perfect and holy according to God's design. Work is good. And that is why when, when we as, as men and women, whenever we sit idle, we become depressed. 
Whenever, whenever we, we sit around and do nothing for too long, that, that we become despondent and we become depressed and we become uh, in, in, in just a funk. Because God has not designed us to sit and do nothing. He has designed us to work. He has designed us to be about the master's business. And when we are about the master's business, we are doing what God has called us to do. We are fulfilling our purpose. And there is a, there is a joy that is, that is intrinsic that, that we can't explain. Because we're doing what God has called us to do. It's important also that we note that as the first two servants were immediately employing themselves to be about the father's business, that they both received the same commendation from the father or from the, the landowner. Look at the text. In verse 21, he says, Well done, good and faithful slave. Notice he doesn't say, Well done, good and profitable slave. He says, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Skip down. Verse 23, he says, The same thing, to the land, um, to the servant, to the slave, who he had given two talents. He said, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few, now I will put you in charge of many. It's important that we understand that the Lord rewards us based upon our faithfulness, not based upon our productivity. It's important for us to understand that. The scripture tells us that Jeremiah was a faithful servant. Faithfully proclaimed the proclamation of the Lord for years. And according to all church growth studies, according to all metrics, according to all all measurables, Jeremiah was a complete and utter failure. Because through all of Jeremiah's preaching, Jeremiah saw not one single convert. Not one time was there any positive response to Jeremiah's message. Not once. But Jeremiah was faithful. And whenever Jeremiah said, but Lord, if I, if I say I will not speak anymore in your name and I say I will not prophesy in your name anymore, then your word becomes like a fire shut up in my bones and I am weary of holding it in. That Jeremiah understood that his responsibility was to be faithful to what God has called him to. And our responsibility, church, is to be faithful with what, with what God has called us to. Now, I want to point out something to you. These servants and these slaves understood that they were to be faithful with all that God had given them, with all that the landowner had given them. Notice that they were not simply to be responsible with a tenth of what the Lord had given them. The Lord gave them, the landowner gave them five talents. They employed all five talents in the working of the master. The master gave them two talents. They employed all of the talents which the Lord had given him in working for the master. We must understand that the Lord has not given us simply a tenth of what we have, but the Lord has given us all of what we have. And all God's people said, Amen. Everything that you have is God's. Your children are the Lord's. We just said this. Your house is God's. Your money, your bank account, your 401k, your property, 
everything, your talents, your gifts, your time. It is all God's. And He has given it to you. He has given it to you as a steward to do what He has called you to do with it. And the question is, are you going to be faithful with what God has given you? Or are you going to be faithful with a tenth? You know, we have this idea that, that, that God gives us all this stuff and that He just wants a tenth back. Well, the tenth is an Old Testament paradigm. A tithe is an Old Testament paradigm. The New Testament paradigm is to give not based upon a tenth of what we have received, but to give based upon sacrificial giving. A tenth is a good starting place. A tenth of our time, our energy, our efforts, our resources, all they've given us. But God calls us to give to Him sacrificially. That we are to give to the Lord sacrificially, not based upon a tithe. A tithe was an Old Testament tax. The New Testament paradigm is that we are to give sacrificially. That we are to give all that we have to the Lord. And that's the principle that we see here in Matthew chapter 25. The reward that these slaves received was not based upon profit, but based upon faithfulness. Now I want to point out this third servant to you. Verse 24, And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, and I was afraid. I believe what often prevents us from being obedient and faithful with what God has given us is fear. That we're afraid that that we're going to mess up. We're afraid that we're not going to say something right. We're afraid that, that if God has called us to share our faith, that, that God has given us a testimony, and He's called us to, to testify of His goodness and His grace to us, that, that somehow we're going to say something wrong, or, or, or we don't know enough Scripture, and we're going to mess up, and we are paralyzed by fear that we're unable to be obedient with what God has given us. Let me remind you what Paul told Timothy, is that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of, of power and love and discipline, a sound mind, that fear is not from God. That fear is from the enemy. And this servant who was not faithful, the reason that he was not faithful, he said it right there in verse 26. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid. And what was he afraid of? If you look at the text, he was afraid of the character of the master. Which tells us that he does not know the master. He says, I knew you to be a hard man who reaped where he did not sow. Well, that in and of itself is not true. Because as he gave these servants the talents, he was indeed sowing into them. And as they turned and invested the money, then he would be reaping where he sowed, not in a place where he did not sow. So this statement is a statement of ignorance. I knew you to be a hard man where you reap where you did not sow is a statement of ignorance about the character of the landowner. And we as believers, we as believers have our fear nestled in ignorance. There's a picture that I'm going to ask Chris to put up. (laughs) I don't think I... uh, (laughs) 
I don't know if, if, if Chris got the picture. I'm sending it to him now. Let's see. Let's let's let let let's see how fast Chris is. As Chris gets this picture and puts it up, you know, one of the one of the most encouraging times in my life is being a dad. And as I as I train my children, and as I watch my children grow, watching them grow from, from infants to toddlers to preschoolers, now to grade school age children, it's been, it's been such a blessing to watch them develop and watch them, them learn how to be young men and young women. And, and as, I was, as I was raising these kids... I'm I'm often doing stuff outside. I'm I'm, I'm working on the working in the yard, working on fences, working uh, working on on tools that have broken because I can't go buy new tools because uh, uh, I, I can't afford it, and so we're having to fix everything. Uh, and so every time I am every time I am working, there my kids are right there beside me, and they've got their their little tool bag with their little plastic tools and their plastic drills, and they're right next to me. And oftentimes, they're in the way more than they are a help. And, and the practical person in me wants to say, just, just go away, just, just leave me alone. If you would get out of my way, I could be done with this in 10 minutes, and, and, and it, would be, it would be over and it would be done with. But the dad in me loves that they want to be right there with me love that whenever whenever i'm out there working on the car and i'm out there rotating the tires or changing the oil or or fixing the air filter or doing whatever i i'm doing on the car that that there's daniel and there's nicholas right there in the middle of everything and that whenever i'm out there cutting the grass that that, that anna walks out there and she says dad will, will you teach me how to cut the grass and i put her behind the lawnmower and she pushes with all she can and it doesn't move and, and so dad comes behind her and he pushes, he pushes alongside of her. And it, it blesses me that my children want to be just like me. And I believe that, that in our Christian walk, that God longs for us to work in an effort to be just like him. We're going to be inefficient. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, to be in the way. We're oftentimes going to do it so poorly that, 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 that God has to go behind us and fix what we've messed up. But in doing so, I believe that God is honored by our work. In His great grace and in His great sovereignty, God could have done all. He doesn't need you and I. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need a, a bumbling preacher who stands up and says fruit of the loom instead of fruit of the womb. <laughs> he doesn't need a, a, a worship leader who, who sometimes invites the, 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 the church to begin singing the wrong song. Or he doesn't need a, a, a deacon who, who shows up forgetting that it's the Lord's Supper we're supposed to be doing today and, 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 and is not prepared. He doesn't need people who make mistakes. 
But in His great grace and in His great sovereignty, God chooses to use broken people. He chooses to use broken vessels because in doing so, God receives greater glory. His purpose and His desire for you is to work in your preparedness, is to work unto the Lord. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, not working unto men, but working as unto the Lord. God longs for His children to come alongside of Him and work for His kingdom. The parable of the talents is an encouragement, an edification for us to take that which God has given us and use it for His kingdom. Use it to bring about His glory. Use it to reach those who know not Christ. Let me remind us of where we began. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, the gospel must be preached to all nations. And that is going to usher in the second coming of Christ. What is Jesus encouraging us to work towards? The proclamation of the gospel to all nations. To every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. God has called us to work. He has called us to take what he has given us and use it for his glory. We found the picture. Here's a picture of Daniel right beside me, splitting firewood. Now, I guarantee you he slowed me down. I guarantee you he probably got a splinter and we had to take a 30-minute hiatus to dig out the splinter and, and bandage the wound. And, and we, we probably had to, uh, to comfort mom because he was out there uh, working with, with hydraulic tools and, and she was scared to death. But as Daniel was right alongside me, dad took so much more joy in seeing his son desiring to do what his dad was doing. God doesn't want efficiency. God doesn't want profit. God wants faithfulness. He wants us to take what he has given us and bless us. He wants us to take what he's given us and us use it to proclaim the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have indeed blessed us with talents. You've indeed blessed us with gifts and abilities far beyond that which, which we would have on our own. Lord, as you bless us, may we be faithful. May we be faithful to use that which you've given us to further your kingdom. May we proclaim the goodness of grace of Christ to those who do not know Jesus. Lord, this morning, as we worship you, Lord, may you speak to our hearts. May you convict us of where we have failed. May you convict us of, of our poor stewardship of what you've given us. And may we, as your children, repent and be obedient. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to have his way in this place this morning. In Jesus' name.